Welcome to Thriving Your Love, a podcast where we will guide and help you improve your most precious relationships in life. This podcast is produced and hosted by certified emotionally focused therapist, Claudio Vargas Silva, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Trisha Kim Walsh, also licensed marriage and family therapist. All right, welcome back everyone to Thriving Your Love. We are so excited to have you here today. And our topic of our podcast episode today is all about negative cycle, about what happens between your couple, between a relationship when there's tension. Uh, our workshop, Hold Me Tight, which is based on the best selling book called Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson, a clinical psychologist helps couples understand the dynamic of what happens between two people who want so much to connect and be understood and be loved deeply by each other. But in the course of connection, there can be misattunement, misunderstanding and conflict, which she calls the negative cycle. And the negative cycle can be informed by the four different type of attachment styles that we each have as humans. The four attachment styles are secure attachment, insecure avoidant, insecure ambivalent, and disorganized attachment. And today we're going to be talking to you about the negative cycle and what you can experience as a partner and the different type of positions that we take when we're in conflict with our partner. Yeah, and we want to explain the difference in, in these attachment styles. What is interesting is that we start our relationships always or most of the times secure because we have that honeymoon phase, which is so wonderful. Like, for example, if you ask a couple who is just to start dating if they want to have therapy or to attend a workshop for couples, they will say, well, we don't need that. We are doing it wonderfully. And they think that they are going to be happy for their entire lives. But we know that after a while, and usually after one year and a half or two years, some problems start happening. And actually, these problems, they, they start along that time, right? But they increase. And then they feel more and more disconnected. Right. And it can really take a couple by surprise because this entire time of being in the honeymoon phase is a time where you're learning about these wonderful qualities of this person that you cannot stop thinking about daytime, nighttime. You want to spend every waking minute with them. But the reality of a loving relationship is that life is full of hardships. There is no experience in our life where we have a relationship with someone without conflict. So this brilliant revolutionary understanding of looking at connection through the lens of attachment therapy, which Dr. Sue Johnson has, has effectively done in the Hold Me Tight workshop that we offer helps us to now have a name for this dynamic of what happens that takes couples experienced by surprise. Most commonly, Claudio, in my room with, with my couples, I see them and they said everything was going great until it was not. And they're shocked. Things were going so, so great until they were not. 
And that's when you really start to learn how we in general handle conflict because the dynamics of how we responded to our family of origin and our own attachment styles, they are front and center, very similar to how we respond to our partner. Talking about the honeymoon phase, I remember my daughter, I have seen her starting some relationships and the first day she says, oh, he's so lovely. He's so wonderful. And then maybe six months later, they end up and that person that was wonderful before is not as wonderful now. But when people start a relationship, they agree with everything that the other says. And sometime in the future, they disagree with almost everything that the other person says. What we see also is the opposites, how the opposites attract. And you're going to see when you talk about the cycles. But then these opposites, they create problems later. And what happens is that as people feel more disconnected, as they realize that they are getting disconnected from each other, now they try to fix the disconnection. And the way they try to fix is exactly the opposite of the other. And then we see how people get out of security because in a secure connection that they have at the beginning, they feel really close to each other. But as problems come by, now they have two opposite and different ways of dealing with that disconnection. And I know, friend, that we are opposite in these two, right? But we have the pursuer, and you align more with that, right? And I align more with the withdrawer, that they take these different strategies. And it's so, so interesting that the strategies that they take trigger the other and and they take this strategy with the intent of fixing the problem, of bringing the other person more connected. But for some reason, it creates more disconnection. And it's so hard because as they become more disconnected and they are upset and frustrated with the disconnection, they do more of the strategy that doesn't work. So if you, friend, if you want to talk a little bit about your strategy. Absolutely. I am a pursuer as Sue Johnson terms this, and it's so effective, Claudio, to be able to understand what is happening inside of you that feels that biologically, physically, emotionally, you cannot control it. I can acknowledge Claudio, I, I similarly can relate to your daughter and that in that honeymoon phase, everything is wonderful. There's something magical about that person. And then that person disagrees with you or that you have some type of conflict and the immediate reaction is rejection. That there's this feeling uh, as a pursuer that I feel as though I've not been understood. And it, it's important to understand our attachment styles, which we around not being seen and not being understood. And be thinking about your experiences as you're listening viewers, what that is like for you when you've not been heard and you've not been seen in your life, whether you were small or whether you're in a relationship right now, for me, 
when that happens in my relationship, I move toward the conflict. I want to figure it out. I want to problem solve it. I want to get in your head and understand what happened between us. And I do not want to pause. I need to figure it out now. So on the outside, what you would see is my hands raised, frustrated, critical, complaining, big, big emotions, frustrated. And on the outside, I can look scary. Although what's really happening inside is, oh no, you don't understand me. You don't care about me. I'm desperate to get back to closeness. I want to pull you toward me, but I'm pushing my partner away because I'm coming out angry. And I don't even realize it, Claudio. I don't realize that as a pursuer, I'm coming across as hostile. The tension that's happening inside of me is really sadness and fear of I'm not getting my needs met. I'm feeling fearful of being alone. But as the pursuer, when we see conflict, we move toward the conflict. And in doing so, it can come across aggressive. Wow, so well explained. So well explained, Trisha. And you know, I am remembering like even clients of mine that they have this type of attachment since their childhood. And on many occasions, they are rejected already by their family that tells them that they are too much, that they make a drama, they are drama queen. So then they feel rejected and say, well, you are too emotional. I remember, for example, a client talking about his wife and saying that she's kind of too emotional, that she gets really angry. And then she was kind of feeling rejected. Like he was saying that there was something wrong with her because she felt like that since her childhood, well, there's a problem with me that I'm so emotional, that I really, I, I cannot keep things inside. It's impossible. So he can control himself so well. He's so centered. It seems like he doesn't care. And I am the one who is desperate, wanting to be close and connected to him. And it seems like he doesn't need me. So I tried to explain to them that it's absolutely natural. As you said, for the pursuer, the pursuer cannot keep things inside. It's impossible, but it's not a problem. It's just nature, how you are designed biologically. So people are not this way because they want to be this way. So the pursuer is not trying to be hostile, as you said. It's not purposefully. But what you are doing, actually, what pursuers do, and it's very important, they are fighting for their relationship because their partner is very important to them. They don't want to let things go without them doing anything. They want to fight for the relationship and bring the other person close. But for some reason, it drives the other person further apart, unfortunately. Right, Gladio. The image that comes to mind is fire and ice. And actually, a couple I worked with used to call their cycle fire and ice as a symbolism of what would happen in the dynamic of the fire that a pursuer has a need 
to have love in their life connection, that there's a fear. If I lose this love, if I lose this connection, I'm going to be all alone. And I can't let that happen because often for me as a pursuer, Claudio, and thank you for naming my experience. It's so true as a child growing up in my household, it was common for me to feel as though I was too much or too big. I was a very expressive child with emotions and growing up in an Asian household, culturally emotions were scary. And I was told by my father to be careful with my emotions, to not be too big. And sometimes there would be some shame about expressing emotions that I felt this insecure, anxious, and also ambivalent decision. How can I show what's happening inside of me when I'm being told at this age, it is not okay culturally to do this in the world. Do not do this. So coming into my own relationship, I was having to push and pull between what to do. And I would say, Claudio, I'll add that there is a dilemma for the pursuer is there's a desperation of, I will do anything to keep this relationship. So when you see that I'm getting big is because it's a really big deal that you and I are close. And when we are not close, I'm protesting with passion and fire. I need to get back to closeness. Wow. I really loved what you said about fire and ice. Wow. It makes so much sense. And you know, like what we said here about that we are this way sometimes since we are children. And it happened to me too. Like my mom said that it didn't seem like I had emotions or that I was feeling something. And it was hard for me to kind of understand and notice that because what happens to withdrawers like me is that we feel so much emotion inside and we think that this is no noticeable outside. But the thing is that we have such a way of not showing the emotion. It comes so naturally for us. And what happens for me is like when I feel safe at the beginning of the relationship, I can talk a lot. I can talk about my emotions and how I feel. It's very easy for me. But when problems start happening, then I become more careful. I start stepping on eggshells. And I am concerned that what I'm going to say will be taken in a negative way that it will cause some hard feelings, that it might maybe trigger a fight. And let's say that the pursuer, my partner pursuer is saying something, trying to confront me. And I think, well, if I respond, she might not understand. And I know from previous conversations that when I responded, she actually didn't understand and she became angrier. So I don't feel safe. I don't feel totally secure that I should say or that, that I can say something and it will be understood. So then I don't say anything. And also because I'm afraid and I'm kind of checking to see my partner's emotions, seeing if my partner is getting maybe triggered or is getting nervous. So then I close my emotions and try to be really calm and that's not that I'm calm. I, I just try. I just hide because I don't want things to explode. 
But when my partner sees that calmness, and I had kind of a partner saying, well, it doesn't seem like you feel anything. It seems like you are actually analyzing me, like you are, since you are a therapist, you are kind of looking at me and trying to figure me out and, and noticing all, all my lack of composure. And then what happens is that my partner feels in some way really rejected, like I'm not present, like I'm not really understanding, like I'm far and far away and not connected emotionally. So it triggers my partner, but inside of me, I am very, very emotional. And the more anger I see outside, the more I tighten up inside of me. So to get things under control. And what happens is that by doing that, I am trying to have connection as well. And this is what my pursuer partner cannot understand is that I'm trying to have connection by having peace. Because I think, well, if we talk about what she wants to talk to me, we're going to have a fight. We're going to be disconnected. For the pursuer, the pursuer thinks, well, let's talk about this and let's solve the problem. But for me, let's talk about this and ha let's have a problem. So it's better not to talk. <laughs> if it's bad already, if we, if we talk, it's going to be worse. So let's not talk. Let's be calm. Let's have peace. So this is what happens to withdrawers that are so misunderstood as if they are ice, as you said, you know, as, as if they don't care. But actually, they are trying hard to save the relationship. They want to avoid the fight and the fire, as you said, friend. Yeah, Claudio, your insight of walking on eggshells is exactly the dilemma that the withdrawer is going through. And your examples of this lived experience of what can happen as a partner who has a partner identifying as a withdrawer is to shut down their own emotional experience and efforts to save the relationship. And there's something to be said about the efforts to please and, and how it makes sense for withdrawers to say, why would we want to move toward conflict? Why not stay calm? I, I used to work with a partner and his relationship. He would say in these moments of their negative cycle, he wanted to be easy breezy because that is how family of origin worked for him is that when conflict got big, the family would find a way to come together by pausing on the conflict and finding humor and finding activities and ways to distract themselves from the tension. It was too painful for the family to move toward conflict so at an early age, he became known in his family as being known as easy breezy. And so he would name, this was the dilemma because in his loving relationship, his partner would say, when you look easy breezy, you're saying you don't care about the conflict. And Claudio, in your case, your own experience of your partner saying, you're not showing any emotion on your face. Well, just like you, this, this client, 
acknowledge the pain that was happening and the suffering that was happening inside is I'm trying to keep things afloat. I'm trying to keep things calm because if we don't, and if we get into this horrible cycle, I might lose you. And what is interesting is that while he's trying to keep things calm, she's actually getting more and more upset because for her, it means that he doesn't care. So then she becomes upset that he doesn't care. So we, we see how one triggers the other. So the pursuer is trying to pursue, but for the withdrawal, it seems like he's being attacked. He's being criticized. So he will withdraw by trying to be cool and try to get out of the subject. But then the pursuer will become upset and will feel like, well, I'm being ignored here. So it doesn't actually cool down. It just triggers more. So it's kind of sad because we see that both of them are trying their best to save the relationship, to avoid problems, to get closer to each other. But their strategies trigger the other and cause more problems, more disconnection. Withdrawers actually, they feel criticized a lot. When the pursuer is talking about the problems in the relationship, for some reason, it's very unfortunate that withdrawers feel like they are the problem. Even if the pursuer says, no, it's not about you, it's a problem that we are facing. For the withdrawer is, you are not a good partner, you're failing. And withdrawers feel so inadequate. They feel like they are not good enough. And sometimes this kind of takes their energy, their motivation away. They feel like they try, they try, but it's not working. What withdrawers do a lot is that the way that they try to save the relationship is not the way that causes the pursuer to feel emotionally attached to them. Like a withdrawal can say, well, you know, I work so hard and you can see this house that we have, we have everything here. And the person might say, yeah, we have everything here, but you don't have time for me. And we are not talking, you know, and you're, you're not saying you love me. You're not sending those emojis that you sent before, <laughs> but the withdrawal is saying, well, you need to see my love because the way I am is that I do things. I'm practical. I'm not these like small things. So we can see how they in some way mismatch and, and don't get the, the real communication of love to each other. It reminds me that the pursuer is saying, why aren't you doing everything you can to express that you want me, that you desire me, that you care about my emotions? I want to hear it. I want to see it. I want you to be here with me in these trenches. Yeah. Come to me, get close to me, reassure me that I matter to you. That's really what pursuer. And I can acknowledge that this is what's happening inside of me, Claudia. Yeah. And with my partner, who does identify as withdrawer, often his experience is look at all that I'm doing. And you keep telling me it's not enough. You keep telling me I'm not enough. And so I am going to get 
defensive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be icy. And sometimes it can be exhaustion and overwhelm of, I just want us to get along. I just want you to know that of course you matter to me. Why would you not matter to me? I married you. I'm with you. What more do you need for me to show up? I'm so tired of having to prove it to you and it not being good enough. That's what I hear my partner who is a withdrawer says is, can't we acknowledge what I am doing rather than you looking at what I'm not doing? Wow. You said a lot there. Exactly how we feel. You are so good in pointing out what is missing in me, what I don't do. And you never remember to say, or you don't make a big deal of what I'm doing. So this happens that withdrawers, they feel unseen. Sometimes they feel like they're putting something in a bag and they put and put and put and put, but the bag is always empty. (laughs) Yes. We want to invite our listeners to continue listening to this podcast because we are going to bring these themes that are so important and also to come to our Hold Me Tight workshop because we can go really deep in these issues and having therapists that are going to be with you to explain and to help you to have conversations and then have a really positive relationship and come back to security. If you enter these opposite strategies, if you enter be a pursuer or a withdrawer and you are stuck in these positions, that you can come back to security. That's what we wish for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Yes. Thanks everyone for coming and tuning in to Thriving Your Love. We're hoping to thrive your love towards secure attachment, regardless of whether you're a pursuer or withdrawer. We see you. We understand you. We want to make sure your partner understands you as well. Thanks again. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We hope you'll join us soon again for our next episode of Thriving Your Love.